Welcome to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. I'm your host, Kristen Thomas. I'm a certified sex coach and clinical sexologist based in Kansas City. And I just love to talk to people about what goes on in their sex lives and relationships. I also enjoy good conversation about love, heartache, activism, or making change in the world. Be warned, you should probably be 18 and over and probably listening on your headphones. Thanks for tuning in. I definitely could have made this episode go on much, much longer. There was, I think, so much more we could have talked about. Michaela Martinez joined me on this episode of Keep Them Coming to talk about sex and disability and chronic illness. She actually found me on TikTok, then found me on Instagram and reached out and asked if I had ever considered doing an episode about this topic. And I said, well, yes, absolutely, I have. And I realized I've touched base on it a little bit in previous episodes, but have never gone this far in depth with it for sure. Michaela was an open book about some of her experiences that she's had with the medical field. She's had two open heart surgeries, one as a kid and one as a young adult while she was in grad school. And I mean, surgery affects you. We went through some of the things that she experienced and sadly, and not all too uncommonly, she experienced a lot of shame and stigma and basically no information when it came to sex and pleasure and you know what what was her body capable of all what was healthy for all the things we talked about what dating is like i mean when you've got a large scar down your chest she's developed some ways to weed out the guys who are not here for it let me just say this before she tells her story fellas always just be real always just be honest with uh who you are and what you think you'll if you're not worth our time you'll weed yourselves out so yeah just always always be honest and upfront about who you are and we'll we'll figure it out pretty dang quick i even learned a thing or two from her because she's had to do a lot of research on her own again because uh she didn't get much support from her care team Hey, do me a favor. Also, if you don't already have a review up for Keep Them Coming, if you could please go to iTunes or any other platform that allows you to rate and review a podcast, um, but Apple in particular. So if you're listening to this and you've not reviewed Keep Them Coming, please do leave a, a review for me soon. I would greatly, greatly appreciate that. The other thing I'd love to ask you to do If you are not already signed up for my safe for work or my not safe for work email newsletter called The Dirty Bird, please do so. You can go to any of my social media platforms and click on the link in my bio or go to my website and a little pop-up will come up there for you. Oh, oh, you can also just send me an email, Kristen at OpenTheDoorsCoaching.com and say, hey, add me to your email list. That's permission enough and I can get you on there. I have a exciting new series of workshops coming up after the first of the year. And if you're on my email news list, especially the Dirty Bird, I'm going to be offering some discounts to my Dirty Birds. Uh, it's going to be a six-week course. Go over lots of things, lots and lots of things. So if you want to be on the list to know when uh, tickets are for sale, get on the Dirty Bird. And that will start at the end of January in 2022. It's going to be all about better sex. doesn't matter if you are single or if you are in a coupleship. If you want more pleasure in your life, you want to take this six-week workshop with me. It'll probably go on sale mid-December. All right, back to my interview with 
Michaela Martinez, all about sex and chronic illness. I survived. Now what? Well, on today's episode of Keep Them Coming, I am joined by Michaela Martinez. And Michaela reached out to me on Instagram and was curious if I had any content out there or knowledge about um, sex and disability. So Michaela does have a master's in physical activity and public health, focusing on exercise physiology, especially for high-risk populations. Um, She's a clinical researcher, but she is also someone who has had open heart surgery. So Michaela, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm just glad that you reached out and were like, hey, have you had anyone on your show to talk about this? And then you well volunteered because, you know, if you if you want to see the thing, you got to be the person to do the thing. No, you're so right. I think that this information is so important. And I'll tell you the TikTok or what it was that I was like, I like her. You framed um, like virginity or the first time you have sex. Cause you know, I'm a very big proponent that that's just a social construct. Mm-hmm. You called it your sexual debut uh-huh. and the way that you worded that and structured that I was like, this is a person who is educated and understanding and compassionate and can discuss these things. And goodness knows the population of Kansas city in the Midwest needs this education. Oh, thank you. I, you know, that video definitely went viral and I had so much fun with that one. So I'm, I'm glad that that caught your eye. Yeah. Sexual debut is something that, I mean, even as a sex educator, when I first came into this industry, I realized that there were some things in my vernacular that I needed to shift. Um, there's still things that I work on shifting. Like my tagline is sort of exercise, meditate, masturbate. But even masturbation, when I'm talking about it outside of that, I try to say solo sex. Yes. I think that unfortunately, and we'll get into this too, is the stigma with a lot of these things or these words, especially in an area I've found that can tend to be more traditional or conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, the shocked looks, if I bring some of these topics up to individuals, um, <laughs> still bring a little bit of joy to me to this day. <laughs> oh, I love seeing people's shocked faces. <laughs> and I get that a lot when I'm like, I'm a clinical sexologist and certified sex coach. You're like, I'm sorry, you're a what? <laughs> But yeah, so, well, Michaela, again, part of what led you to reach out is that you've got personal experience in this area talking about sex and chronic illness and disability. So can you tell me and the audience a little bit more about your story? Sure. So I'm 26 years old and in, well, I was actually born with congenital heart disease. Mm. So you'll always have heart disease. I think that that's important to like distinguish between the two moving forward when I discuss this. Mm-hmm. But a part of that is I was born with congenital heart defects. So I had a defect that was called Tritology of Fallot or TOF, and it's essentially four defects in one. Mm. So these are structural abnormalities of your heart. That differs from the overarching disease that's there. These are just structural things that must be repaired. Gotcha. So in 99, I had my first surgery and it was my first repair and that lasted and I did well with until uh, summer of 2018, things started to go downhill for me health-wise. I was in grad school full-time, working full-time and unknowing to anyone else, I was also in heart failure Mm. and I kept it secret and I kept it private and I kept my head down and I worked and there's a lot wrong with that, that I've worked out in therapy already. However, it all kind of came to a point in October 
when I had the access and ability to go to Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, mm -hmm. we found out that I needed surgery immediately. Okay. So mm -hmm. I pushed it off till after finals. And in December of 2018, I had my pulmonary valve replaced. Mm -hmm. So you have the surgery, you do the valve, you survive the six, seven, eight hour surgery, you survive the four, five, six days in the hospital. And then they just kind of leave you and they mm -hmm. say, we'll see you in a year. <laughs> and that's that. And that's yeah. that. Here's, here's a bucket of meds. Here's, you know, best of luck to you. Uh-huh. Wow. And you're just left with, well, what now? Right. Mm -hmm. I was 23 years old. I was at, you know, a very young sort of investigational period in my, like my sexual journey. Mm -hmm. And now I just have had this massive thing happen. I wake up, nothing looks the same, nothing feels the same. And I truly deeply believe that I was like ruined. Mm. I thought, I thought it was done. I remember, I remember sobbing to my mom that I was 23 years old and like no one would ever want me ever again. Oh, like, well, you poor thing. My heart, oh, oh that just breaks oh, my heart for you. And there was no support aside from my lovely therapist. There was no medical support. There was no education out there. There was no pamphlet 101. I just had heart surgery. How do I have sex again? You know, there was mm -hmm, nothing mm -hmm. like that available. And, you know, now on the other end of it, three years later, <laughs> I've kind of made it my mission to be really open and discussing my experiences because if it helps someone or one person relates to it, just know like you're absolutely not alone and you are absolutely not ruined. Yeah. I promise you that you are not ruined. Oh my gosh. You know, I have not ever having been through something like that myself. I, I can only imagine some of the thoughts and feelings that were running through your mind. Like, thank goodness you had a good therapist. Yes. And uh, shout out to Mara. <laughs> <laughs> Therapy is the best. I mean, like truly, you know, you make it through that traumatic event, mm -hmm. but I'll be honest, the after, right, that I had to deal with was almost as bad, if not worse, as the during. Mm -hmm. You know, I survived great, but now I just had this giant mess of trauma and things that I had to work through and, you know, just kind of deal with. Um, and I was in I was in pretty extensive therapy for the first year and a half, to be completely honest. And now I consider it more of like a maintenance role in my life, right? Mm -hmm. Where we've been able to work through a lot of those larger items. So now like you don't wait till something's broken to go in. You, you kind of yes. you get yourself into a maintenance routine. And that's the stage that I'm at right now. That's my current chapter. And that's okay. just as valid as like the one before. So both are mm -hmm. okay. And I think Absolutely. that that's really important to say too. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, when you were talking about you, you had this open heart surgery and that's that's quite a large incision. Um, I do have one other. I have a client actually who has also had open heart surgery and. You know, they were a male, so maybe they weren't thinking as much about some of the changes that they had on their their chest. But yes. it sounds like you had some major changes for your, your breast, like your sensation and nipples, yes. things like that. So tell me a little bit more about that. So I think what you just said is super important to note. Like, let it be known that the research that is out there, I'm a clinical research physiologist, so I'm fairly common with these things, is uh, it's in men. It, mm -hmm. Like over 90% of this research is in men. Mm -hmm. And, you know, not to diminish their sexual sensations. However, for me, I woke up with a seven and a half inch 
pretty significant scar. It was a reopening, therefore they had to go in mm. through all the layers of scar tissue, which pretty much what that means is it's not pretty when it wakes, when you wake up. It's yeah. not aesthetically pleasing. And then my boobs were no longer straight. Oh. <laughs> Everything just kind of sat in a different way. Hmm. I use the analogy to my friends that don't understand is like when you're buttoning a dress shirt or a work shirt and you accidentally miss a button and it's just mm. a little off. Okay, gotcha. So that's kind of where things were sitting after. Um, and then the most surprising thing, you know, because your head's not in this sort of scientific understanding, you're more in the emotional state, or at least I was, mm -hmm. is I woke up with absolutely no sensation. Mm -hmm. um, not just sensation to touch, but like nothing. There was no nipple response. There was no stimulation response. Heat cooled nothing. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were just dead. Yeah. And I was, as someone who was used to be like overly sensitive in that area, it was absolutely devastating to mm -hmm. a, at the time. Mm -hmm. And I, I was like, you know, there are many things that had changed in my body, but that was a very notable one. And there was no like, oh, don't worry. It'll be back in three months. There was none of that. There was no information out there. So now I'm just sobbing, yeah, <laughs> thinking that I'm broken with no resources on how long this, this will last or if it's permanent. And can I ask, did, did you even have it in you to talk to your surgeon or any other physician yes. at the time? Yes. What did they say? So, and they still, it makes me they're you know, they blew me off. I'll be completely honest. Not sure. They're like, sadly, should, not shocked. <laughs> you should be more focused on the fact that we had a successful operation and the rest is irrelevant. Oh, be glad you're still alive is basically what it sounds like they told you. And anytime I brought questions to my care team, you know, they are very uncomfortable with this topic. There's not a lot of, you know, they, they do everything from a research perspective. And because there's such a lack of research on this topic, uh, they're very unwilling to give recommendations or opinions. Mm. So mm. frankly, they just tell me, you know, I've had very specific sex questions for my cardiologist and he gets very uncomfortable and he's like, you know, we just shouldn't be talking about it. It's not appropriate. What? I was like, you are my doctor. You are a physician, a Harvard trained physician. And you're uncomfortable <sighs> because I'm asking you about certain sexual, you know, positions or aspects or things I should be aware of or concerned about. You know, I was very, I'm curious. I want to know. I need to know. Yeah, you do. It's inappropriate. He's like, you should just don't be worried about that. And I, so I made an offhanded comment to him and his nurse. I was like, what do you want me to do? Just lay there. I go, <laughs> kidding. And he said, yeah, I do. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> that makes me want to strangle him for you. So, Cause that, that has nothing to do with what's yeah. healthy or safe for no. you. That was simply his lack of education. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter where the hell he went to school. He obviously is not trained about sexology. No, he's not. I guarantee. And Jesus Christ, it is a function of us being healthy human beings. And sex is our birthright. It is natural. It is actually, I have a book right here that I was just uh, starting to read for something else. And the opening quote in this was great. Sex is perfectly natural, just not naturally perfect. It's from sex Correct. therapist <laughs> Thea Snyder Lowry. Like every physician out there should understand sexual function. They should understand how to guide their patients to having healthy sexual function, no matter what it is they have been through. I don't give a shit if it's an OBGYN, a cardiologist, a neurologist, 
I don't care who it is. They should know these things and be comfortable because sex is just a human function. I, I frankly felt as though he was almost shaming me a little bit that I was so inquisitive or so open about this part of my life. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, maybe you should be a little less worried about that and a little more worried about, you know, other things, right? Like, and I just... So he wanted to determine what your priorities should be. And yeah, shame you for being a sexual being. Uh, Yeah, pretty, essentially, yes. So I had a lot of thoughts about that encounter. The first being, I feel genuinely, I feel a lot of empathy for the women in his life. I feel a lot of, (laughs) and this also explains why he isn't married. Like I had a lot of Bingo. And I was just like, you know, I get a little heated when it comes to these discussions Um, not, you know, not at the disrespect towards me, but just at this lack of open communication with a medical professional. Mm -hmm. And I think because I've worked in the space and I've also, you know, been a patient in the space, like my tolerance for bullshit is slim to none with this right now. Oh, I love you. Like these men that think that they're God's gift, like to her and they're not. And Mm so I just keep, sometimes he needs to be humbled, but I just... Um, I like, I said, I had a lot of, I had a lot of thoughts that weren't Mm -hmm. even pertaining to me that were more like, (laughs) well, this explains a lot, Mm -hmm. Dr. So-and-so like, (laughs) do you still see that colleagues I can chat with? Like, so that would be, that would be a big piece of advice. If you, there's an option for a female, take it. But even then, I don't know that having a female in the medical field guarantees that they have a a comfort level better than a man. Oh, no, you're right. It doesn't. I don't think it guarantees anything, but at least I wouldn't be shamed by him. Hopefully not. Yes, hopefully not. But I, well, like I take OBGYNs, for example, only 15% of surveyed OBGYNs say that they talk to their clients about pleasure, like actually asking them how is your sex life are you enjoying yourself do you feel comfortable are you are you safe are you how is your pleasure experience and those are the people who are primarily involved in things directly involved with sexual function i mean but your cardiologist is still directly involved in your health and well-being because uh you kind of need your heart to work well (laughs) to have good sex yes and so at that point you know i said i just decided I wasn't going to get what I needed from the cardiology team. And I mm-hmm. needed to look elsewhere and read elsewhere and speak to other people. And because I work in a medical space too, um, I know some cardiologists on a professional level that I feel comfortable with mm-hmm. um, females, let me preface. And mm-hmm. I was able to have some conversations with them kind of over coffee and over lunch. Good. And then honestly, a lot, a lot of trial and error. Mm-hmm. Um, and finding out, you know, what works, speaking with other, um, I'm a part of a group and it's like women, they call it, I don't like the name, but they call it zipper sisters. Oh, <laughs> and, cause it, okay. Yeah, and so, I get it. <laughs> you know, in even reading, um, I can pull up, let me pull up the post and it was the, someone had asked the question, you know, do you feel like you're educated in sex or that there's resources out there and it had hundreds of comments Mm -hmm. that they were they just did not know they didn't understand no one would ever talk to them there's no workshops that they felt like the intimacy in general was pushed under the rug and no one was really addressing or validating the trauma and emotions that these women or men have gone through 
I'm going to have to find that group and say like, here's my info, by the way, reach out. You should. There's hundreds, there are hundreds of women commenting on this that that echo the same thing I did, that the only way anyone ever asks about sex is with the frame of procreating, right? You know, Mm -hmm. discussing it is if you can or cannot have children, everyone's journey with that is completely different, but no one's ever talking about, you know, even you can, PTSD is very common in this community Mm -hmm. and sort of even hurdles with intimacy or hurdles reaching orgasm that they may have that may be more, you know, mental, emotional than physical. No one's ever diving into those topics. And it's just, it's really, really unfortunate because these women and men deserve to have as much pleasurable sex as everybody else does. Absolutely. They've been through it. They deserve many orgasms. Like, Yes, they do. And something that I didn't really understand until I had someone on here who's a somatic therapist is that if you've had any sort of medical procedure, your body has experienced trauma. So yes. like to, to call this like trauma, like I'm totally, I get it. It is traumatic to go through all, the, not just the emotional side, physiologically, this is hard on your body, all the things. Yes. And it doesn't matter whether you've broken your arm and had to have that reset. You've had open heart surgery. You've given birth. You have had trauma to your body. And I don't know if you're familiar with the book, The Body Keeps the Score. Yes. But yeah, those things are stored in you. Um and it can take either EMDR or cognitive behavioral therapy or somatic therapy to overcome some of those things. And unfortunately, I think there's still a lot of people in the medical field who are anti-therapy, you know? Um, uh, so yeah, the, I'm, not sure, I'm not shocked that you, none of you have been referred out for something like that. Uh, there, I'll, I'll think of it right now. There's a book. Um, and it's by, he's, he's a really famous um, trauma therapist, PhD, MD, and he did a podcast episode and he discussed, you know, it was something that I had not realized or that I had not said, oh my God, that's me, is that trauma starts from the time of birth, right? That the, mm-hmm. the collection or, you know, how much trauma, it kind of, it starts, as soon as you're out in this world, you're like, ticker for how much trauma starts sort of like you got an empty bucket at birth it's filling up quickly so so he was describing babies that are in the NICU right everyone at some point in their life will experience trauma but he was saying some people hit their tipping point or unfortunately kind of where they break earlier because they started earlier Mm -hmm. and I was like oh shit I was like so that that 15 weeks in the NICU probably didn't do me very well you know and so when you add that, then it, I was four with the first one. And then it almost validated the experience that I had, because I'll be very honest, you know, that period in 20, 2018, like I had what would be considered a, like a break, like mm-hmm. a psychological break. Mm-hmm. And I was not well in any sense of the word. I'm and so it makes surprise. It, yeah. It, it makes sense that, you know, 23 years was apparently my tipping point. Mm -hmm. So, and there are so many other men and women and not just with heart surgery, with other chronic illnesses, even things you can't see, Crohn's, lupus, that experience this and experience the shame that goes along with it. Mm -hmm. So I know that it's not just me and that's why now I choose to be so open about it 
because I don't feel like there should be any shame for it. And this is life, right? I, my mom, she'll be happy to, that I quote her. She's told me this one sentence since I was young and saying how different I was is she would say, Michaela, everybody has something. Mm -hmm. And she said, every person on this earth has something that they deal with, that they struggle with, that they have to overcome. You can see yours just because you can see yours doesn't mean that other people don't. Oh, that's a wise mama. <laughs> she, uh, she's a therapist. <laughs> ah, well, there you go. Yes. Um. <laughs> well, she's not, she's not anymore, but that's what her educational background is in. So she had those little, those little nuggets of wisdom for me. And oh, to, a little this day, to, my to this day, that's something that I hold on to, right? You know, in the, all of us of should. Dating, yeah. in the frame of dating, dating is already challenging enough. Mm-hmm. But th- this just adds another, another layer to it. Another, <laughs> another layer of complication, if you will. Yes. Well, I tell you what, let's take a quick break and then let's talk about what it's like being in the dating world. Perfect. All right. It's time for a quick break. I promise it'll just be a minute, so stay tuned. I'll be right back after a few words that help me get paid. All right, back from the break. So, Michaela, give me the breakdown. What What is dating like? Are you currently dating? I, mean, I know you've just moved to Kansas City this summer, so you're in a, a new pool of... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I was gonna say new pool of dick, but I don't even know. Like, do you date men or women? I don't know. Um, so I date. I exclusively date men. So okay. So new me? new pool of dick. <laughs> okay. Isn't that, isn't that so sad for me? Um, I, no, I mean, just no, no, no. I'm not. I'm not men shaming. I'm not men shaming. All I'm gonna say is it's not a choice. Is like, that's uh, right? Exactly. I know because mm, I've had some friends joke like, "Do you really think I would choose men if I had a choice?" Because there's a lot of trash out there. I'm like, yes, okay, I get it. I get so, it. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not men shaming. Uh, you know, I have a, cl- a few close platonic strong friendships, and they're wonderful people. My father is a wonderful person. You know, men, there, there's, there's some good eggs out there. There's That's some sure. wonderful men. There's I, wonderful. I, I can't say they're all awful because mine is wonderful. I have See, some amazing male friends. That gives me yes. hope. But to answer your question, I am very actively dating in Kansas City. All right. Um, Yes, I, <laughs> I am out there. Um, I have kept cast the net far and wide. But Love it. I, so, you know, I'm, it's an important period of my life. It's good. I think it's important for everyone to see what you like, what you don't, who's out there. And I have met a lot of really, really cool, good humans, right? And maybe there's not a romantic connection. Maybe that's not my person, but they're still a good person. Mm -hmm. And if I saw them walking down the street, I would be more than willing to say hi. Like it's, I don't think of it as any, sure, there's been some, some duds, but like overall, it's been a fairly positive experience. Um, I don't, like I said, I haven't found a winner yet, but that's okay. That is all right. Um, I'm really happy with so far how things are. And like I said, in my early to mid twenties, it was a rough period. And, you know, I was not emotionally ready or emotionally mature enough or whatever you want to say to enter into a relationship at that. Mm -hmm. And I thought I was then, but I was not. So Mm -hmm. I'd say this is really the first time in my life or the first chapter in my life that I feel like I could really be a good partner to somebody. Mm -hmm. Sounds like you feel like you can be more present now. 
Yes, yes. And mm-hmm. um, and also I've been able to work through a lot of my things. And Which included. Just like you know, with, with things around like you mentioned, like your scar and changes in sensation. Like, I don't know, yes. has, has sensation oh, changed? What yes. is your relationship with your body? All that stuff and how it plays into... It's- it's so important. Something. So like in my early twenties, I didn't have the best relationship with my body. Now, not my size. That has fortunately never been an issue, you know, big, small, that's just a different chapter of life. My body is my body. And mm-hmm. I'm so thankful that it's working, that it can look how it wants to look. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm just thankful that we're here. Um, the relationships with my scars has been a journey. I was very insecure for a long time and I've had a lot, a lot of rejection with them. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And I had to learn to be okay with rejection Mm -hmm. and just rejection is a part of life, but I was very sensitive about them. And, you know, have I had men say to my face that they could never have sex with me or would never want to touch me because it grossed them out? Yes. Is that fun? No, (laughs) but it has come a long way. And now I feel very comfortable with myself and the things that I do have to offer. And at this point I'm, I, I, very upfront about it. And I'm like, these are my scars. This is the situation. If you're not comfortable with this, I understand that's your prerogative, but I kind of need to know upfront because what Mm -hmm. I don't want to happen is get three, four dates in and I start to form some sort of like excitement towards you. Mm -hmm. And then you see them and you're like, ah, you know, that's never fun for me. (laughs) No, of course not. But like, sounds like you dodged some fucking losers there. If they're like, ew, that's gross. I wouldn't be able to touch it fuck those guys not literally no and you know I thought that that would change as I got older or started dating older and no that has been consistent you know teens 20s 30s I date um I prefer to date older Mm -hmm. there's a lot of uh you know there's there's a a lot lot of fun to be had by dating older guys there really is there's a lot to unpack with that one however (laughs) my my range my preferred range like I I really don't even speak to anyone under 30 I'll be honest and then like my sweet spot would be like 35 plus like 35 to 40 to early 40 is I mean that's just with where I'm at in my life and what my preferences are physically sexually it just seems to work the best for me I I could see that I could see why yeah (laughs) there's a lot less bullshit to deal with sexually with someone over 30 they, I feel like they've had a chance to explore their bodies and explore different things and find out more about what they enjoy and what they don't enjoy. And of course, being here in the Midwest, so many people are repressed and uh, don't get the chance to explore until they've either aged or they have an older partner who kind of shows them the way um, or they've, I don't know watched every kind of porn there is out there <laughs> and then they'd be like oh that I mean good I want to try that the best experience I've had um he was 40 40 turning 41 mm-hmm. now oh uh was he like a good person to form a relationship with no <laughs> however um and I think that you had somehow mentioned this in another conversation uh, he had been married a long time. He let me. He was not still married. <laughs> he was very much divorced. Mm-hmm. But he had been married a long time, and I don't know. Like he either understood female anatomy. He had worked some things out. They had figured things out together. But I mean, like double thumbs up. You know, I was very pleasantly surprised. 
gotcha. but I was conflicted. I was conflicted because physically, like he does meet some of those things, like sexually that I like the like, I get it. But I was still a little, and then from his end, he wasn't it. Well, he wasn't vibing with it. Like it's all good, you know. No, no hard feelings. Like I said, that's someone that I've met in Kansas City. That's a really, really cool human being, and mm-hmm. it's okay that it wasn't anything else. Like that's fine. I know sometimes um, it's okay to just have a really nice, um, like time in their orbit. Yeah, you and know, like we had yeah. a really nice conversation and coffee and like, but that's all it was, and that's mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was like, I think because I was telling, like, we were just talking about a ton of stuff. You know, he could talk about anything, and he was like, I this woman was on my podcast that you would really like, and I he showed me her. I was like, stop, that's the TikTok lady. Ah! <laughs> and that also that's how I know our ages were probably a little too right, like. Um, but I was like, I was like, that's sexual debut woman. Like, it's like, and I, and I was like, I love her. And then I listened to the episode and I was like, oh, and I was like, forget you, Timmy. Like, I want to be friends with her. Like, Yay. I was, like, I, was, I was like, this is the person I want to hang out with. Um, you know, maybe you were just meant to meet him and have a little bump with him and to just to, to get connected with me. I really know. I was like, I was like, she's the person I want to be spending time with. I was like, but <laughs> that's so funny. Like I said, you know, I think if I ever ran into him, cause I work out on the closet, like it would be all good, but there was no, there was just mutant. No, it's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Though. Yeah. It's, it's okay. about getting out there. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, yes. Older men again can be a hell of a lot of fun. And it's interesting that you said you haven't noticed any difference between how they react to your scar or anything like that. But like, I think that part of the problem is there is still so much taboo that exists around our sexuality that that adds another layer, like illness, someone who, you know, maybe they're worried they could hurt you again, or, you know, who knows what goes through their minds. But I think it's because we don't talk about it. Yes. And something that I wanted to share, like a tidbit of medical information Mm -hmm. that is so important to know so for those of the listeners or you have a significant other or whomever a friend even share this information and if you are on a blood thinner and it could be anything from a baby aspirin 81 milligram to coumadin warfarin plavex anything one thing i learned is that you need to be really careful with anal play of any sort ah. because it can cause potentially internal bleeding that you wouldn't even know about oh yeah mm-hmm. so now someone kirsten is she is like is shaking her head like duh but these are the things and the intricacies that i was saying that would be nice to know now whether or not you want to dabble in this is your own prerogative but it's still good info to know regardless Absolutely. Absolutely. That's good info for folks to know. And then like the similar thing with any sort of breath play. Um, If you have any underlying cardiac or respiratory issues, it's normally advised not to partake in it. Um, Mm -hmm. And these are just conversations to have, you know, with your person or whomever you're engaging in sex with to say, hey, you know, these are kind of my boundaries, but also here's why. It's not just because I'm a prude, right? It's not because mm-hmm. of that. Here's just some reasons. And it's it presents a good opportunity to have a conversation about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, for the audience, when you're talking about breath play, you're talking about things like choking or... Yes. yes. Anything, anything that would potentially like restrict any sort of like breath, you know, breathing mm-hmm. airways, 
-hmm. And of course, you know, choking correctly doesn't have to be dangerous, but in Correct. general, they're so you know, choking, I, is, I'm gonna, choking I, is not, it's not that I want people to come away from the saying that choking yes. is dangerous, but choking exactly. requires knowing what you're doing. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So I was going to say, I was going to say, I would almost like make sure that if you're partaking in that with somebody that they understand what they're doing and they understand your like anatomy in general. Right. Yes. So yeah. you just don't want a situation where they're not doing it correctly and they could potentially hurt you and, or you not know, and they not know. Right. Right. Yeah. I have definitely coached people through proper choking techniques, things like never choke someone from above. Like if you're, yep. you're with your weight down on them, never, ever, ever choke someone below you. You need to be choking up. Yes. So if they're on top of you or they're to the and side. And also we're not crushing tracheas. We're Correct. squeezing sides. Correct. We're it's more about we're... the side of the neck, yes. not the center of the neck. Um, I think one of the easiest ways to do it is when you're both on your side and your partner is behind you and they have their arm up around you because then there's two spots where you can be safe. Because if you turn your head towards their forearm, the choked partner um, you know, can kind of control how much there is. And then they, they can turn their head back to the crook of the arm. So, so never squeeze with the crook of the arm. You want to just kind of like do a little pressure up against the forearm. Things like that. But yeah, if that's something that uh, the fact that you have to go through doing research, uh, uh, medical journals and things like that, that you couldn't simply get this information from a physician involved in your care. Uh, I really hope as a sex educator that things can change within the medical community and that conversations like this can be had at support groups or in that follow-up meeting with your doctor but fuck. <laughs> in the meantime <laughs> in the meantime make sure that you find your local sex educator um, message them on instagram and have a really fun conversation about oh, yeah. fulfilling sex despite any sort of medical things you've gone through yes um absolutely and, you know i do think that I think it's important to note that even if you've had these things or events or whatever, and you have sort of these hurdles you have to go through, you know, you can still have a wonderful, fulfilling, orgasmic sex life. And I just want that to be clear. You know, we are still sexual beings and creatures. And mm -hmm. although it may not feel like that sometimes, like don't let other people or the medical community or social media shame you in any way. You deserve to have as much pleasure as anybody else does. And maybe it looks a little different, mm -hmm. right? Maybe it looks a little different, but that's okay too. Yes. yes. And if you want to find people that uh, won't ever shame you, talk to someone in the kink community. <laughs> <gasps> For real. For real. Uh, what has your experience with the kink community been like? Um so I'm not like deeply integrated in that community, not mm -hmm. for not because it's, I just don't know enough people, I think, in that. However, I've met a few and kind of expressed some of these things about my scars. First of all, could they could care less. They mm -hmm. could genuinely care less, could care less. I'm not surprised. Or on the flip side of it, they're into it. Mm. So that was an interesting thing that I had to kind of learn to wrap my head around. And I was like, is the reason that this person is so attracted to me is simply because of this or is it just adding to the attraction mm -hmm. because i don't just want to be somebody's fetish 
exactly. That was just what was running through my mind is it's one thing to be adored. It's another thing to be fetishized. Yes. So, and the way that this person had explained it to me is he was saying like, in his mind, it shows a woman's strength and I don't know, all of these things that he really is like, it like just, it turns him on. Um, mm-hmm. The strength and the rawness or whatever you want to say. And mm-hmm. so I was like, okay, so in that case, it's adding to the attraction. It's not only, so I would say, just be a little, <laughs> of course, be a little careful with the king community because sometimes they're just going to pinpoint you because you do have scars. But in general, they're much more accepting mm-hmm. of things because they have their own things right they have their own preferences or boundaries and they're much more willing to have an open communication conversation about these things none of this stuff will ever not ever in my experience none of these things make them uncomfortable communication is definitely key in the kink community and understanding people's boundaries and having consent around those boundaries I mean, not only understanding like, oh, well, if you if you do breath play, it has to be very specific. And, you know, if you you know cannot do certain things, if sex looks a little bit different for you, that to me, yeah, that would be the first community wanting to understand what exactly can you do? What exactly is off limits? Exactly. And, and you if, like? you don't, if you don't know, and if, okay, and if you don't know what you like, and you don't know what your kinks are, Um, My advice for that is to get yourself an Amazon Unlimited Kindle and start reading some spicy novels. And before you know it, you're going to, I had no freaking idea what kinks, I didn't know, I didn't have a clue. I was like, I don't have any of these. Um, Five books in, I sure did. (laughs) And now it's provided vocabulary for me that, Mm -hmm. so I've always, let me just say, I've always had the kinks, obviously. The books didn't give them to me. The books gave me vocab and language that I could use to communicate. Like it gave a name to what I liked. Yes. And it gave me words that Mm -hmm. I could then communicate to a partner about what I liked. Because I didn't know what it was called before. Yes. Erotica is such a good segue into understanding more about our kinks and our, our boundaries. Because if you're reading something and you're using your imagination to, you know, envision this story and your body starts having sensations and you're like, Ooh, that, Ooh, I want that versus, Oh, that doesn't really, that doesn't do it for me. When you're reading something, it's, it's visceral. You're able to feel sort of a yes or a no in your body when you're reading this kink scene or the sex scene in erotica. So yes, that is one of my top recommendations for people when they want to start figuring out what it is they like. And what might turn them on? Because you'll feel it. <laughs> you'll go like, you'll oh, know. God damn, that was and it's hot. a way to do it. It's a way to also do it like physically in a safe way, physically too. Mm-hmm. I yes. wouldn't suggest someone obviously just going into a kink community and just freaking trying things. No. That's not how any of that works. No, just go observe. You, just, can, you can totally go to the dungeon yeah. and just be a voyeur. In fact, they kind of prefer that you just go in and be a voyeur at first. Just observe, see what turns you on, see what makes you like, oh, I don't think I can. I don't think I could do that, but good for you, but not for me. But I would say, yeah, the books definitely helped me to be able to put words and a voice to what I liked and what I wanted. And that's really important. And even being able to have these conversations, you know, a few years ago, I would not have known how to communicate my wants and needs Mm -hmm. in an effective way. And I was like too embarrassed. 
Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know. And I also had this feeling that, well, they should know, they should figure it out. But my pleasure isn't someone else's responsibility. It's my responsibility. Bingo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And it's definitely something and, and, I try to get my clients to understand that your pleasure and your orgasms are your responsibility. There may be a person there also participating and helping the process along, but ultimately no one makes you come. You let yourself come. Definitely. And you know, it, t it takes a while to get there and whether you're 26, 36, 46, 76, like there is still options and hope, you know, if you haven't had that experience thus far, it's okay. You're not too late. Nobody's too late. Cause I, you know, it, if you would ask me three years ago, I definitely would have told you I was ruined mm -hmm. and that, that I, my life was over. <laughs> and as dramatic as that may have been, maybe now, like I genuinely felt that, mm -hmm. um, the amount of tears that I shed to my mom, because I thought that any sort of positive sexual or dating experience, like that was the end of it, that no one, no one would ever want me again. And, and I, there was a lot of self-pity of like, well, how could anyone want me? Right. So there's a lot of work that had to go into that. Cause now I'm like, well, now I approach things of a, of a different, you know, that kind of holding on to that. Everyone has something. Mm -hmm. And just because you can see mine doesn't make me any less valuable than somebody else. That's right. hundred percent. I think uh, that's probably my favorite thing that came out of this conversation today is that reiteration that everyone has something totally like if we could all move about the world, giving ourselves some compassion it would be so much easier. I mean, if we're giving other people all this compassion, like everyone's got something or, you know, who knows what their story is. Like you got to give yourself that same grace. Like, yeah, I agree. And like I said, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be open heart surgery, right? Everyone from things you can't see, right? Mental illness struggles, mental health struggles, mm -hmm. um, physical struggles, emotional struggles, like just give yourself that leeway and you're so worthy of love and pleasure and orgasm just as much as anyone else is. A hundred percent. I'm so glad that you came on this show today to have this conversation with me because like, like I said, I, I have wanted to have someone on to talk about these things. I just hadn't found a guest yet. So <laughs> maybe I manifested you coming <laughs> along. And I'm always open to like through, through you, you know, if any listeners, I'm always open to more specific or pointed questions or, you know, physical questions, medical questions, science questions, kink questions. I don't think I'm the most knowledgeable in that. That would have to be deferred to you. But as it frames around my experiences, of course, just I'm always open to answer anything that people may be curious about, because I do know that this is something that's just not readily spoken about for whatever reason that may be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe I need to do a workshop after the first year for folks who have, you know, disabilities or chronic illnesses and, and talk about things like this. Cause maybe you can the first put it on the, just, all right. there's a lot of pages you could put it on and like share it with the American Heart Association. <laughs> for real. <laughs> I mean, they, I feel man. like they would just tell you it's not safe, but I just, that's so not true. I mean, and that's something I have said to everyone. We, we should be having sex until the day we die, unless there's a medical condition that's preventing you from doing so. But even then, there has to be some things that you can do for pleasure that aren't going to make you keel over. Like, <sighs> barring 
the most severe things possible with your heart and you're on bed rest. I mean, if you can get up and walk, if you can get up and go to the grocery store, <laughs> I, I don't know, if you, can, if you can exercise, like you can have sex. And the fact that, oh, still I'm so bugged by that doctor telling about, you just to lay there. That made me think, so I was, I was in full-blown heart failure and I was still having sex. So. <laughs> um, you mean, know, there was a, there, maybe that's kind of multifaceted. There were some other issues with that. Like maybe I shouldn't have been in that way, but, um, but from a physical standpoint, uh, yeah, like the right side of my heart was shit, but I was still doing it. So, I mean, and you're still here. So I'm still here. Um, very few things that should stop us from having pleasure. Really, truly. <laughs> Shout out to my time in Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gl- again, glad you're still here. Glad that yes. you got like the, the medical help that you needed. Glad again, you got the therapy that supported you through reframing things. Sounds like you definitely needed some support in reframing and eliminate, eliminating some of those thoughts that you had around feeling broken or like who would want you? Cause girl, there's a lot of people out there, not just in the kink community <laughs> who <laughs> are going to be like, you know what? You're just another human being. You're a wonderful human being. And let's go have a good time together. And seriously, fuck those guys who ever are like, ew, gross. Because ugh, there's a lot of assholes and fuck boys out there. Uh, I mean, that is that is true. And they their ages vary. But I think we've already had chat about this. But I mean, you know more people in Kansas City right now than I do. So just based on what I've told you, you just, you just let me know if you have any viable options for me. I will. I will. Absolutely. In fact, actually, while you were talking about it, it's like, Ooh, I wonder if that person's still single. Hmm, maybe <laughs> I should connect to them. So yes. Cause I do know more, um, open-minded people, I should say. <laughs> I don't uh, keep fuck boys around in my life. Mm-mm, none of those. Well, that's good. I think I've seen that too. You know, how healthy things are with you and your partner and you know, just things I aspire to have someday. I appreciate a open, healthy, communicative relationship that's, you know, you made it how you want it. And Mm -hmm. I love that. You're not following like the rules or the kind of, it's it's just between you and your partner. You have to build a relationship that works for you and not for the rest of the world. And I, I a hundred percent am on board with that. That is something I learned from Esther Perel that you get to write the rules of your relationship. I tried to play along with the rules that everyone else told me that I needed to play with. That's why I ended up with two divorces. So thank goodness I found Esther Perel during my four years of singlehood. (laughs) Life-changing, absolutely life-changing. I I agree. And I think like, yeah, that just, um, so the community that I'm from is very small. It's in southern missouri and you know i was back there for thanksgiving oh gosh and i just had to mentally prepare myself because the comments that i've gotten are just like oh well you're not settled down yet like the finger wag and i thought when you came back from up north you were gonna get more serious and gonna and so i had to come home and think about that and i was like that term settled i feel like settled can look so many different ways for different people right yeah. i have a very stable career i'm financially stable i'm emotionally stable i'm healthy in my mind i'm exceptionally stable like settled or stable mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just because i don't have you know well they're framing it around a husband and 2.5 children and mm-hmm. a, a fence and a dog mm-hmm. um so i think you know and i have the dog part of that equation i don't have none of the other stuff 
And but that is okay. That's okay. So for the listeners, if you're 26 or 36 or 76 and your life isn't fitting into the status quo of central Missouri or Kansas City, just listen to us when we tell you that it is okay. It is okay. And getting married and having a ring on your finger, having all those things, like you didn't win a prize simply because that's your path or that's the thing that you've already done. Like marriage is not the ultimate goal. And you didn't win something special just because you found a spouse. Like you simply experienced something in life. That's it. That's that's so true. And I've learned celebrate your personal victories the way people celebrate engagement or marriage. Mm -hmm. You deserve to celebrate men or women, the things in your life that were large accomplishments, the same way everyone celebrates those. So when I finished my master's, celebrated, right? When I got when I got a big promotion, celebrated. Oh yeah. When I oh when I do eventually this fall or whatever, and I'm able to invest and buy a piece of property, celebrate. Like you should be able to mark those large accomplishments in your life the same way we would or your family would in engagement or a marriage. Hell because yeah. they're just as valid as having a ring on your finger. Hell yeah. Hell yes. <laughs> And, and even, you know, even my, my mom, who is in a very, she's much more, you know, was in a traditional marriage, which is just as valid. Let me just say, if you're in a traditional situation in marriage and relationship, amazing. Love that for you. It's just as valid as my experience. Yes. Yes. Um, That's the thing. Yeah. She's, she's very, you know, we've had, um, I think it, we, it took us a while as we navigate adulthood and you're no longer seeing your parents as parents. You see them as people who are equally as flawed, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's a journey on its own. Um, but also learning to have mutual respect for one another, because while we may differ in those ways, like I respect her journey and she respects mine. So you can get there with people, yeah. but definitely celebrate your wins, even if it's not societal or society wins. They're, they're just as wonderful and valid. Yes, I could not agree more. As someone who does not have children and does not plan to get married unless for some reason it works out for taxes, that we should. <laughs> like, yes, yes. Well, we need to get together, I think, for coffee sometime soon. Hey, yes, I would love that. Already coffee or a cocktail, either one. As soon as I saw some of your just like content and things and how the way you worded things and approach things, sometimes you just see people and you're just like, that's a person that I need to be around especially in Kansas City, when uh, things do tend to lean more traditional. Um, And shocker, (laughs) that's not who I am. Um, So when I do find people that I feel like I can connect with, and that would genuinely understand me, that's always something that I gravitate towards. Same here. Same here. Well, Michaela, this has been a fucking fantastic conversation. And I'm just curious, like, um, well, first off, how can the people find you if they want to find you to have those conversations? Maybe someone who has had open heart surgery and would like to just pick your brain. How do they find you? Well, uh, I feel like we can share Instagram. Yeah. So this will be, we can tag my Instagram in whatever post this is and feel free. My stuff is set to private just because of what I do professionally. However, just at request to follow me and shoot me a DM. Um, and I'm always more than willing to have a conversation. And from there, I'll exchange phone numbers and stuff with whomever wants to talk. Perfect. Perfect. So that's, can you go ahead and give your Instagram handle? Oh yeah. I think it's just uh, so much for keeping that sort of whatever, considering it's my name, 
Um, it's just Michaela underscore Martinez 95. So it should be pretty easy to find me. There's not a ton of us out in Kansas City. Right. And then the other one you mentioned was Zipper Sisters. Is that also an Instagram account that no, you recommend it's actually, people following? So that is a Facebook page. Oh, okay. Um, and that's if so, if there are women listening, it has like three or 4,000 members. It's a private group. Um, but it's just Zipper Sisters, women with congenital heart disease. There's a lot of pages about that. And I'd say join those with as much as you feel comfortable doing. You know, I'm in them, but sometimes they have to get muted mm-hmm. simply because it, it can be a little, a little sad. And mm-hmm. I think I choose to not live my life in fear, but sometimes I cannot read about more of my friends passing away. Yeah, understand. So just join them with the understanding that sometimes it can be a lot. Heard heard. Okay. Well, Michaela, again, thank you so much for being on Keep Them Coming. It was an absolute pleasure to talk with you. Yes. Thank you so much. And you have a wonderful rest of your day. Send your mom my best wishes. I'm so happy that she's doing well. Oh, yes. And is home and comfortable. And I'm really, really happy that you all got to be together for Thanksgiving. Yeah, me too. Yes. Thank you so much. It was was a little scary there for a hot minute with her, her aneurysm and She's not happy with her scar, but she's incredibly happy to still be here. So, well, you just let me know. I have many, many names and resources on steroids, lasers, creams, the whole thing. I've done it all. Okay. Good to know. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. Have a good day. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. Please rate, subscribe, and share this podcast and check the show notes for stuff we talked about during the episode. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Clubhouse, and TikTok, but visit my website if you want more information about me and my coaching services. You can join my safe for work or not safe for work email list, which I call the Dirty Bird. If you want less censored content about sex and relationships and want to know what I'm up to, please subscribe to that list. Send me an email, Kristen at Open the Doors Coaching, if you have a question, want to book a session, or want more information on my upcoming workshops. My theme song is original music by M. Kusa. Until next time.